You're about to listen to the message portion of our online service for April 26th. If you'd like to listen to the entire service, see the entire online service, you can do so on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or our website, horizonphilly.com. Hey guys, stories are so important to us as human beings. There's something about being human where we need stories to help us make sense of what we're seeing and feeling and experiencing. I find it interesting that during this time of isolation and quarantine, streaming services have announced that some of their their top most viewed shows and movies deal with this theme of viral outbreaks and pandemics. Movies like Pandemic or I Am Legend are on the top of people's most watched list. Why is that? I think it's because many of these movies end on a hopeful note and these stories help us imagine a good ending to the story we're living through right now. We're in the midst of something that feels like, is there any way this could end happy or end better? Or could there be even an end to this? And stories help us know that, yeah, there could be an ending to this and it could be good and it could end on a hopeful note. It doesn't have to stay like this. G.K. Chesterton said, Stories are important not because they tell us dragons are real, but because they tell us dragons can be defeated. Anthropologists um, tell us that storytelling is a uniquely human expression. That for whatever reason, all humans tell stories. So you could go to the most civilized nation on the planet today, the most technologically advanced, and we're telling stories. And you could go into the most remote jungle tribe and in a hut, you'll have simple people telling stories. You could go far back in time to the first human beings and they're telling stories. And as far as you go into the future, human beings will keep telling stories. So what is it about the story that so captures our imagination, that so resonates with us as human beings? I think that stories do something for our soul. And it's interesting to me that Jesus, when he came to earth and he was healing people and feeding people and teaching, one of the things he also did was tell stories. He told these short stories called parables and he would take everyday themes in a first century Jewish person's life and he would use them as a way to explain or commentate on his behavior, his way of life, the way that he was living and loving. And he used these short stories to slip around people's intellectual defenses and to get by um, some of his religious boycotters. And it was a way to get his teaching across in a practical way so that when people left what he said and went back into their everyday lives, they would come across sheep and they would say, oh, this reminds me of the story that Jesus told. It's interesting to me that so many times I've forgotten so many things that people have told me, but I remember the stories that they've told me. Stories somehow latch onto our soul and they stay connected to us for a long time. And so in our new study on the parables, the short stories that Jesus told, I've been assimilating several stories that he told around a central theme, such as sheep or farming. And then I assimilate those parables into one cohesive story. I retell that story to you. Then I talk a little bit about one of his teachings or one of the themes and then I encourage us to have a dialogue about it together. And so last week we looked at sheep and this week we're gonna look at his idea, uh, his stories around farming. So let me tell you a story. 
A long time ago, there was a farmer who plowed and prepared a field for planting. And he went out early in the morning with a pouch at his side filled with seeds and he ran his fingers through the pouch and scooped up a handful of seeds and he stood in his field and he tossed the seeds out. Now many of the seeds fell on the good soil that he had plowed and prepared and they put down roots and they began to grow. But some of the seeds fell onto the nearby road and here the soil was packed hard from many feet stomping across it and many wheels on carts rolling across it and many hooves from donkeys and horses clomping across it. And so these seeds lay on the top of the ground and birds circling overhead with a cry rushed down to the ground and picked up the seeds in their beak and then flew off. Some of the seeds fell in the ditch alongside the road. Here there were many weeds and brambles and thorns and briars. At first, the plant here began to grow because there was uh, good soil and there was water that poured off the road. But as the wheat began to grow, the thorns and the thistles began to choke it out and consume it. Finally, some of the seed actually fell on the field next door. Here, this field had not been plowed or prepared and the soil was rocky. No one had pulled out the stones. And so at first the plant began to grow, but when the sun came out and beat down upon it, it was so hot, the little plant couldn't draw enough nourishment from the ground because its roots were weak and it withered and died. Now in the corner of the field, there was a little spot left over and here the farmer pulled out a second pouch. In it, he had tiny little mustard seeds. They were so small and seemingly insignificant, but he planted them in the corner of this field. Now, as he went home after a long, hard day of work, he laid down to rest, but his enemy had been watching him. Now, the enemy hated the farmer and always wanted to undo everything that he did. Now, once the enemy saw that the farmer had fallen asleep, he went out to the field and he took weed and thistle and um, briar seeds and he began to sow them up and down the fields so that weeds would grow up with the wheat. After a few days, the farmer went back and saw that little sprouts were beginning to come up in the field. And he was so excited, but he also noticed that there was weeds all throughout the field as well. One of his hired hands said, should we pull out the weeds? And he says, no, let's not pull them out because I'm afraid that we might pull out some of the wheat with them, that we might pull up the wrong thing and destroy the harvest. He said, let's leave them. And so over the next few weeks and months, eventually the wheat grew up into strong, healthy plants surrounded by these weeds. The farmer, looking out at his field, said, look, the fields are white unto harvest. Let's go out and harvest the wheat. And so him and his hired hands went out and they were amazed that the tiny little mustard seeds in the corner of the garden had actually grown into gigantic bushes and there were actually birds who had nests in them. He began to harvest the wheat, separating the wheat, pulling up the weeds and tossing them into a fire that they built in the field. Then he took all the harvested wheat and he separated the chaff from the wheat and he took the chaff and let the wind take it and blow it away or threw the rest and the remaining into the fire. Then he took these kernels of wheat to the mill and he ground them down into a flour. And then he took the flour to his wife who began kneading it into a dough. 
Soon she had so much dough, it was over 50 pounds of dough. And she took a little handful of yeast that could just fit in the palm of her hand and she began to work it into the dough. Thoroughly, slowly, and steadily, she worked the yeast into every portion of the dough until it began to rise. Then she would scoop out a portion and she would bake it in the oven. And soon their house began to smell like freshly baked bread. The smell began to travel up and down the street so that their neighbors and their family and their friends began to gather as she baked more and more loaves of bread. Soon everyone in the house had eaten, everyone in the street had eaten, everyone in the town had eaten, and she had plenty of bread to take to the marketplace and share with others. So now I want to dig in a little bit deeper into the story. And this story that Jesus told is actually unusual because it's one of the rare stories where Jesus actually explains the point he was trying to get across with the parable. Usually he would tell the parable, the people listening there actually recorded it and wrote it down for us. Um, but Jesus didn't say what he was actually trying to get across, what commentary he was actually trying to communicate about his life and ministry. Here though, the disciples pull him aside and they say, look, we don't understand why you told a story about a farmer and about seeds growing. Like, we don't get it. Like, why did you do this? Like, what was your purpose? And so in Matthew 13, Starting in verse 18, Jesus says, So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Listening is hard work. And over and over again, Jesus talked about the importance of paying attention to what he was actually saying. He would use this phrase over and over again in his ministry. He says, if you have ears, hear this. If you have ears, hear what I'm saying to you. Essentially, what he was saying was, don't like make sure you physically have ears on your face. He's like, are you really listening to this? If you're really listening, you're going to hear what I'm saying. Spouses know how hard it is to listen, right? Sometimes I'm droning on and on about a video game and Darby eventually just pulls out her phone and starts playing a cell phone game. And it's like, yes, dear, very interesting. Oh, fascinating. Oh, you came in first? Great job, you know? Or sometimes she's talking about a musical and I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. I've like gone so deep inside of myself thinking about some completely other subject that I'm just giving her uh, false sense that I'm listening to her by saying, yeah, uh-huh, sure, uh-huh, yeah, okay, whatever you want to do. Like, that's not real listening. Real listening is actually really hard work. To really listen to someone involves actually a lot of different parts of our brain all working together at once. And so it can be very exhausting to listen to someone. Listening to someone share a sermon or listen to even your spouse share a story can involve a lot of work. That's why listening is a great way to show that you love someone. Loving someone means that you listen to them. Listening 
shows how deeply you love someone. And so what Jesus was saying was, if you really listen to me, <clears throat> it means you really love me. And in another spot, he said, if you love me, you will obey what I say. Well, we have to listen to what he says so we know what to obey. They, researchers on the uh, subject of listening said there's really three elements here. One is removing distractions so that you can catch the details of what the person is saying. Two, it, um, the second part of healthy listening is internal processing, thinking about what they're saying, uh, really trying to enter into the emotion that they're expressing. If they're excited about something, trying in your own mind to enter into that excitement, or if they're feeling grief, trying to enter into that. So there's an empathy element where you say, okay, they're excited about this. How can I get excited about this? And then finally, the last is responding to what they're saying, listening to the details, removing distractions, entering into the emotion that they're feeling, and then responding or acting on what they said. All three of those come together into good act of listening, listening that looks like loving. And Jesus said that when he taught about the kingdom, what people's lives would look like with him as their king, if they lived and loved like he commanded, then this is what their lives would look like. When people heard this teaching, he said there were different responses to that. He said some people were like, hey, this sounds really good. But then when they really looked at the cost of it, they realized that there could be some pain. There could be some sacrifice involved. And so they're like, nah, not for me. I'm done. Um, he said some people just didn't understand. They didn't pay enough attention to actually know what he was saying. He said these people were distracted. They were focused on other things. And so they only half listened. And as a result, they didn't know enough to actually be compelled to act. He said there were others who were, you know, all in. And then that only lasted for a short time because then they were like, you know what I'm really concerned about is comfort and wealth. And so Jesus right now seems like he's going to get in the way of my comfort and wealth. And so I'm going to put Jesus on the back burner. He's still important, but he's not the chief importance. And then finally, he said, some fell on good soil. And he said, these are people who listened, who understood what I said, and then acted and obeyed on it. And he said, the result was multiplication. More people were impacted by the kingdom message as a result of these people being impacted. You'll notice that three types of soil result in the seed actually ending there. They see a little bit of growth in themselves, but they never spread out. Only the good soil ends up spreading the gospel influence, the kingdom influence to other people and other places. So I think the natural question that the disciples asked themselves after hearing Jesus's explanation and the natural question that we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of soil are we? Are we the type of soil that we're so distracted we only half listen to what he's trying to say to us? Are we the type of soil that we get really excited about something that he's doing or doing something for him or with him and then we just give up after a while and we're like, eh, I'll just go back to my own thing. This is taking too much of my time, too much of my money, too much of my emotional energy. Or are we the type of people who say, you know what, I want to listen for the voice of Jesus. I want to remove distractions. I want to hear and understand what he wants me to do, and then I want to act on it and share it with other people so that they too can experience living and loving like Jesus. 